Hi everybody, this is Mikey D. Welcome to my stoop. So I grew up in a small American town, and much like any other town around the country, we were surrounded by friends and family. We had our schools and churches, and local mom and pop shops. There was the local characters and criminals and busybodies, and we all kind of knew each other's business. And rather than gathering on the front porch, we gathered on our stoops. See, this little small town was hidden in a far-off corner of a giant city. And although it seems like an ancient age, my memories are quite clear. So sit back and let me tell you the tales of my days and my crazy times on those stoops of Atlantis. There are so few idle hands these days. Everyone is always doing something. We're a work-obsessed culture, and when we're not doing something, our hands are diddling with our phones. In fact, I bet many of you are listening to me on your phone right now, so I, so I guess it's not all that bad. But a little idle time is good, and sometimes it's bad. And bad can be fun when you're a 14-year-old kid in East Harlem, sitting on the stoop on a hot and work-free July afternoon. We were often idle. When you had enough stoop ball or scullies, spent your last quarter and chomped down the last raspberry now later, we would sit, sometimes in silence. I wonder if kids today can comprehend such a thing. I, I truly pity them. I, I see kids today scheduled as if they were CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Before school, after school, weekends, summer shortened, and the time they have off is all booked. I could get into the socioeconomic reasons, but I'm, this is episode is just for fun. I write this as all the restaurants and bars around me are closed due to a viral pandemic. So my mind, my mind drifts back to days of innocent fun, when a moment of silence would develop and bloom devious plans. a fishing pole. My dad and I would go fishing a few times a year, and sometimes that was with my Uncle Al. Uncle Al was a trip and a half. I'll post a photo of him on the Stoops of Atlanta's Facebook page. He was Northern Italian from Milan. He looked like an Irish sailor, not Italian at all. He would call his wife, my, my Aunt Frances, who I called Bispis as a kid because I, I guess I couldn't pronounce Francis. Anyway, he would call her Murph. Why? Who the heck knows? He was that old school type who, you know, when visiting would call out, hey Murph, get me a beer. Then he would look at me and go, Mike, get that pole ready. He would do a mime, bobbing a fishing line up and down. He would then turn to my dad and say, Dominic, get that GD pole ready. I think I told you about Uncle Al in a past episode and his penchant for that phrase, the GD phrase. My dad hates that. I still clearly remember a fishing trip in Shirley, Long Island. It was my dad, Uncle Al, me, and Chris. We rented a small motorboat and set out on the sound to catch whatever was swimming in those waters. And at that time, there was quite a bit. A typical sentence of Uncle Al's went like this. So Dominic, make sure you get that GD pole moving so those GD fish will bite. These GD waters are full of those big GD blues. Me and Murph, we caught a hundred pounder one time and that GD bass had put up a hell of a GD fight. My dad was silently biting back his fumes while Christopher and me were painfully holding back a humongous explosion of guffaws that threatened to split the boat in half if one more GD was spoken. You see, you see as a kid, if you laughed, that meant you heard the words. 
And if you heard the words, I meant, well, I'm not sure, but we couldn't admit to my dad that our <coughs> innocent ears were being mugged by my Uncle Al's assaulting verbiage. Nonetheless, to this day, my dad said he never caught more fish than the days he went with Uncle Al. He knew where to go, when to go, and other magical secrets that lured fish to his line. Yet those fishing poles sat unused most days. So one day, as me and Christopher sat with Scott on my stoop, laughing at the tales of Uncle Al, a thought struck me. I had recently come into some cash. Well, fake cash. Not sure, I don't really remember why or where I got these phony greenbacks, but I had a wad. What was the point? What good were they? I shoved them in an old wallet and stepped back out onto the stoop, took out the wallet and flashed its bulging mass the green delight of cold hard cash oozing out like jelly from a donut. I gotta raise my allowance, I said. Scott and Chris's eyes bulge. Where'd you get all that money? Scott snatched the wallet from my hand and peeked inside. Ah, that's fake. It looks real. Yeah, but not up close, Scott said. Yeah, but from a distance. We could. Yeah. Yeah. I had the cure for a boring day. A practical joke. I ran inside to my room where my fishing pole lived in the corner beside my bed. I grabbed it and rushed upstairs and into the hallway, then surprised my buds by appearing behind them on the stoop as I opened the door. I whispered, Get in here! They rushed in. This was secret. This was going to be great. I shut the door and they looked at the pole, confused. We could fool people, I said. We were from the same hood, the same mindset, and we were all equally bored. It could be like candid camera, Chris said. And more flames exploded in my head. I had a camera, and there was film in it. So I rushed inside and dug through my drawer for my 110 camera. You remember those. They were flat and rectangular, had a built-in flash. I glanced at the picture count window. There was about a half a dozen shots left. Here's a fantastic new pocket camera. Spinatar. My parents can take great pictures with it. Here, Mom. Thanks. You know, sometimes they're so busy winding the camera, they miss a great shot. That's why Vivitar put in the motor. It works so fast, you can't miss. Back in the hall, we tied one end of the line to the wallet and reeled a healthy length and placed the bait, its green cash dripping out onto the sidewalk just below my stoop. Inside, perched on a ladder, gazing through the dusty window above the door would be the photographer. Sitting on the steps, the fisherman, pole in hand, Peering out below through a crack in the door was the lookout, with a perfect view of the little lost wallet. This was going to be great. We waited. The block was always pretty quiet midweek, even in the summer. But wait, here came a guy. We didn't know him, but he looked like the perfect pigeon. We rushed inside and grabbed our positions. Chris had the pole, Scott was on lookout, and I peered out the window with the camera aimed, framing the wallet and the wide area of sidewalk around it. There he was, some older guy, probably in his 20s. And he walked right by, never hesitated. So we waited, and waited. We saw two guys heading from First Avenue. One had a large box in his hands and the other a couple of bags. Back into position we went. They're stopping, Scott whispered. I could see them. One of the guys put the box down on the ground and, yes, reached for the wallet. Now, Scott said in a loud whisper as he could, 
Chris reeled in the line as fast as he could. I snapped a photo. The two guys jumped, startled. And then they laughed and walked off. We had our first victim. It worked perfectly. We reset and waited for the next. As I type this, I'm racking my brains where the photos are. I know I still have them, and I'll post them on the Facebook Stoops of Atlantis page when I find them. Anyway, over the next hour or so, we nabbed three or four victims, including one client who snatched the wallet right off the line and ran down the street with it. We found the wallet empty near the corner, the fake money a few feet away. He was not one of our jolly victims. There was this really nice lady who who lived in the big white building across the street, who unbeknownst to us was watching our antics, and she was having a blast. When we returned with a snatched wallet, she cried out, Some fools have no sense of humor. She was right. We set it up again, and this time Pete the Cat Man. You can revisit episode 20, Cattails, you'll learn about Pete. And he was heading up the street. Scott laughed and raced up to the hallway, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't trick Pete. Chris and Scott agreed that would be that was bordering on cruel. Although, thinking back, I think he would have had a laugh. Our ultimate target was a lucky fluke. And our biggest challenge, Vito's mother, Ida. My friend Vito had moved to New Jersey to live with his aunt and uncle, but his mother, Ida, still lived on 118th Street in the apartment above him, my Aunt Didi, in 450. She was a nice lady, but quite a character. She would always tell me I had nice nostrils. Totally serious. She had a sting for my nose holes. I once saw her crush a roach with two fingers as it crawled up the walls of our living room. And I'd go buy her cigarettes and get a quarter, and she would lift them up from her top floor window with a thin rope. Yeah, back in those days, the kids could buy a pack. By the way, during a writing break, I took a look at my closet and found a folder of photos, and yes, some of the photos of this day were there, including Ida, but, but let me continue. We saw Ida coming down from First Avenue, but she was on the wrong side of the street. So let's put the wallet across the street, Scott said. Why not? So quickly, we let out enough line and placed the weather temptation in her path. We knew she would go for it. We raced back into the hall and assumed the positions. She came. She stopped. She bent over, and the wallet moved. But we didn't pull it hard this time. Instead, we let the wallet move along the pavement as if under its own control. She stepped after it. We kept it going. Off the curb and into the street. Ida walked off the curb and into the street. Finally, we signaled Chris to give it a good yank and bam, the wallet shot back across and up the stoop. Chris really get in like it was on the Long Island Sound with Uncle Al pulling in a GD bullfish. Ida yelled out with a wave fist, You summon them bastards! And then she walked off. We were rolling in stitches. And I managed to snap off two pics. Check them out on the Facebook page. You also see pictures of all of us in our positions. That was a day I will never forget. It was pure joy, mischievous, harmless fun, and no apps were necessary. A few weeks later, we spotted some guy across the street trying to pull off the same gag with a string on a dollar bill. Well, they say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I'm glad I still have those photos, although those memories are forever stamped in high-res Technicolor. About that day, we pulled that great prank on the stoops of Atlantis. This has been the Stoops of Atlantis with Mikey D. Please make sure to go to rupertstarbright.com and drop me a line. Tell me what you think of the podcast and spread the word. Until next time.